You're listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.org. Today, Youth Pastor Glenn Wolf will continue with our series called The Fruitful Life. Today, we will be going over the values of a fruitful life. It says in the word, to make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Our scripture text comes from Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Today's message is entitled, The Fruit of Values. If you, can, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 15. I've entitled this message, if you're writing it down, and I just really challenge you. I say this to our youth every week, uh, but we need leaders, and leaders are readers, and you can't read my sermon if you don't write it down, all right? So in order to lead, you've got to be able to read, and in order to read it, you've got to write it, okay? So just make sure whatever you've got to do, you can take one of those pens, write on your arm, whatever it takes. You can entitle this message, Fruit of Values. Everybody say, Fruit of Values. John 15, when you're there, say amen. You, you're not there. You're still unbelievable. John chapter 15, verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. I love red letter, red letters in general. Anybody just got a red letter Bible, you just love it. You got the red, just get the red, get the blood on that Bible. It's just, come on, just wash me clean as I read it. John chapter 15, verse 1, it says, I am the true vine, the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as also I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for every person that's here. I thank you that, God, you are pruning us, you are teaching us, you are exhorting us, challenging us to be more fruitful. And God, in these 40 days of fruitfulness, I know that you've been touching my life, and I pray that this morning your will be done in this service. And everybody said, amen. Have you ever felt like uh, you've been to maybe some funerals, and at City Church, and just at any church, we do a lot of weddings, we do a lot of funerals. And the weddings are always really fun. And the funerals are just, it's just never, it's just not, not that fun. It's just, it's, uh, it, it's tough. It's sad. Um, and, you know, we've been to a lot of different funerals. And, and personally, I've been to quite a few different funerals. And uh, all of them are different. And sometimes it is just, I leave that funeral so encouraged. Like, God has just get, given me a lifelong sermon and has preached it to my life at the passing of this man or woman, and it's touched my life. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times when I go to a funeral, I think about, man, what, are, what are they going to say about me? You know, anybody there? You just, and maybe not even at a funeral, you just say, you know, I, I wonder one day when I, when I leave, what am I going to be remembered for? Anybody ever thought that? All eight of you then raised your hand. I'm sure everybody, all of us have thought about that. You know, the reality this morning is that you are, you will be remembered for what you value. You will be remembered for what you value. And if you're writing anything down, just write this. Write this down. Say, I am what I value. Write that down. I am what I value. And this morning, let me prove my point. Uh, if, you, if, you, uh, if you passed away today and you were it, all you were about was material stuff and just uh, maybe just um, all, all your cool stuff, you'd say, you know what? Uh, when they get to your funeral, they're going to go, man, he, he had a lot of money. He was... He made, that TV was bigger than I've ever seen a TV. I didn't even know they made him that big. 
He had a lot of cool stuff. Or maybe, maybe, maybe you're just all about having fun. I, I mean, I hear that all the time. Man, I just want to have fun. And you know what? They're going to they're gonna get to your funeral one day. They're going to say, man, he was, he was funny. He was, he was really funny. I, if there's anything I remember, I remember how funny he was. Or maybe, uh, maybe you're all about your job and, uh, and you get to your end and you have some of your, most, probably most of your workers there um, and probably less family because that's normally kind of how it works. Normally your job takes a toll on your family and uh, all, your, all your workers are going to be there and they're going to say, man, he was such a good worker. He really loved his job. And I just believe that that's not what we want. I just, I believe that, and I, don't, and I don't think that's what God wants. I think God has some values that he wants to instill in our lives that when we get to that day, that it is a glorious uh, return of sowing seed, of bearing fruit, that uh, your testimony, your legacy is more than just your job or more than just having two kids, even though that's awesome. But, but it's, it, it's got to be further than that, amen? And I believe God wants it to be further than that, amen? It's not just about getting to heaven. It's about bringing as many people along with you and making the earth around you a better place. Somebody say amen. And so we've got to look at you are what you value. And, uh, you know, me and my wife, you can interchange the word value with non-negotiable. And in my youth ministry and also my, and my wife, and even as I've talked with couples that are getting married, we've talked about non-negotiables. And me and my wife, we, we just about almost exactly at eight months, it's coming up this next week, we've been married eight months. And uh, one thing we've done even in our first year of marriage is, is we have started to uh, look at our lives on what we are going to have non-negotiables in our marriage. There are going to be non-negotiables before we even have kids. We know that we're not ready for kids yet. People always ask us, and, and she's still through pharmacy school trying to get a doctorate, and I'm just trying to stay afloat and get her through it <laughs> and uh, just keep my sanity. And, uh, and so we're, we know we're not ready for kids yet, and so we still have a couple years on kids. Um, but you know what? We're already starting to instill non-negotiables that our family is going to live by. Because it's important. Because honestly, the message I'm even speaking to you today, you can't get this overnight. And we're going to pray the how, God's heaven down on this place today. And we pray that you're going to get it overnight. But it is a continual process. You're going to see. It's going to be a lot for you this morning. Um, but even as, as we have been looking at, we're, we are looking at some non-negotiables in our marriage that even before our kids come, we are starting to refine, refine these non-negotiables so that when our children come, we are prepared to lead them in the right way. And so you can just, we're, we're looking at values in our life that we're going to live by. And, and you know where we're going to look? The Bible. Every value I'm going to speak to you, I've got five values this morning, all come from the, all come from the Bible. I, I, now, I wonder where I should start. I'm really, I'm just, yeah. Point number one is prayer. The first value this morning is prayer. Write that down, prayer. And, uh, man, I love prayer. You know, I hear people all the time. They have a tough time praying for five minutes or ten minutes. Man, I, I get lost. I don't know what to say. And I'm thinking, are we living in the same world? You know, like, you know I'm just like, do you not realize that there are, just thousands upon thousands of people being infected by AIDS in Africa right now, and you don't know what to pray for? Right now in this city, there's a young girl being raped, and we don't know what to pray for? Right now in this country, there's probably over 2,000 young people that are being introduced into drugs, and we don't know what to pray for? Our, our economy is, 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 many people would say, vulnerable, and we don't know what to pray for? You can't take five minutes and call out to God for these things? Prayer must be a value in our life, Amen. It's got to be a value. You know, the Bible is a book of prayer. The whole thing is prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is communication with God, right? And, you know, uh, it just keeps your relationship going. As we talk about, about the, the branch and, 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 being and, uh, and bearing fruit, and you know who's, who's the vine? 
Jesus is the vine, okay? Who's the gardener? God's the gardener. Who's the branch? You're the branch, okay? So get this, okay? Your job as the branch is two things. Number one, it's to abide in the vine. And number two, be willing to be pruned. That's it. That's all you gotta do. And fruit is born. Born, is that even a word? Bared. Fruit is produced. Giant fruits like this. I love that. This is awesome. Two things you got to do is abide in Christ and be willing to be pruned and you will bear fruit. This morning, we're speaking on values and I'm pruning you right now. God is allowing me to prune you. He is using me as the voice this morning to prune you so that you will bear more fruit this week. And I'm, and I'm telling you this morning, and as, even as we look at that, listen, as the branch, you cannot produce fruit on your own. I see people all the time, they, we get really religious, and we go, I gotta produce fruit, I gotta produce fruit. Ah, another one. Whew. All right, gotta, gotta fruit. It doesn't work that way. It's, it's simply just abiding. You know what the fruit, you know what the branch is? You might wanna write this down, this is so simple and so good. The branch is an extension of the vine. You as the branch are an extension of Jesus. You are, and what, what, if I could define fruit, when you bear fruit, we need to define it. Fruit is the extension of God's kingdom. Anything that, that grows the kingdom is fruit. Granted, if you can, if you can talk to your friend and, and have them stop gossiping and start to speak peace, you're growing fruit. You are leading that person closer to being like Christ. If you, if you, if you are praying for 10 minutes and then next week you start praying for 20 minutes, you are bearing fruit. If you, can, if, you can, if you can get your girlfriend to stop going to the club and sleeping around and getting her to get in church, and even, and even if necessarily they don't give their heart to the Lord right away, you are bearing fruit because you're bringing them closer to God's kingdom. You see what I'm saying? I mean, that's just simply bearing fruit. And all that is is extending God's kingdom by bearing fruit. All you gotta do is abide in Christ, amen? Amen, and we do that through prayer. The reason why I'm saying all that is this, listen, because if you're connected to God, you've got an incredible life source. You've got God's power flowing through you that you can move mountains, the Bible says, as you pray and communicate with God. Prayer grabs God's attention. Can I tell you something? We have Saturday night prayer at 5.30. But can I tell you something? Saturday, prayer is not a program. It isn't something you do for five or 10 minutes. It is a, and we always, this is so cliche, but it is a lifestyle. It's who you are. If I stop communicating with my wife, we have no more relationship. The prayer is the heartbeat of the relationship between you and God. And I'm telling you, if you're only able to spend five minutes with God, then you need to start training yourself. Listen, you know, you know how you learn how to pray? Get around people that know how to pray. I know how to pray. Come Saturday night at 5.30. Just come. Just, if you want to learn how to pray, just come. You don't need to like five, five steps or whatever. Just come and just be in the, in the gathering and you will get it. You will learn how to pray. And you know, I, and I'm just, and I'm on this thing. I just believe that we do not need to be people that just sit in a pew and watch other people pray for us. We don't need to be people that, that watch that pastor, live by what that pastor says every week because he can just pray the house down. Oh, bless God, my pastor's so good. What about you? Why can't you pray the house down? Why can't you change your community? Why can't you step up and do something for God? Amen. It all happens through prayer. It all happens through prayer. Uh, let me just read some verses to you. Ezra chapter eight, verse 23, it says, so we fasted and petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayer. Matthew 18, 19 says, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my father in heaven. 
Matthew chapter 21, verse 22. I got a lot of scripture this morning. I want to back it, everything I'm saying up this morning. Uh, it says, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Let's keep going. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. It says, one of those days, Jesus went out on a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. This is what Jesus did. We were, you know, the word Christian, it actually means Christ follower. We are to follow what Christ did. Okay, he spent all night. Now, I'm not saying you got to spend every night. I'm not what I'm saying. But there are times when we need to take time aside and, and spend time in communication with the Lord. Man, I see people come in. I'm just going to stop right here. I see people come in and they talk to me and they're going through issues and they're struggling. and They're crying. They come to me and they're like, I don't know what to do. And I say, have you prayed about it? Well, no. And I'm like, what do you think I am? You think I'm like a magic magician? That somehow I'm going to like wave a wand and you're going to, I'm not God. Why are you coming to me before God? You know what I'm saying? Like anybody that comes to me without praying, I'm just like, what do you do? Go back and pray and then come tell me what you just went through because God's going to deliver you through it. Because he's that big. It ain't, had, it ain't nothing to do with us. Like as pastors, he is, he's the senior pastor. I love what he says. He's our life coach. He's just supposed to coach you. You do it. You get victory in life. You pray the house down over your family. You see your kids change. You see your, your finances grow. You, you, you learn how to, right? You learn how to have victory in your life. Amen? Because, because the, the value of prayer must be in your life. This has got to be a non-negotiable. Amen? I'm, I'm just going to move on right there because I... You, I had some stuff in the first service, but I'm going to keep going. Uh, now, I wonder where I should go through next. Uh, I'm not exactly sure if I... Word. Yes, the word. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Point number two is the word. Uh, write that down. The word. The value number two is the word. The second non-negotiable in our life to be, to bear fruit is the word. Man, just, if you got your Bible, just hold it up. Just, just like, look at all my God's people here. If you don't know a Bible, you need to get around somebody that has a Bible because they got the living word right there. The sword that pierces double edge right there. The word, you know, listen to this. Just last night, last night I was praying with God. I was communicating value number one. And uh, listen to what he told me. I was at my devotions last night. He said this. He goes, Glenn, I want to heal Sanford. I said, God, really? He said, yeah, I want to heal all of Sanford. I said, oh, Lord, let it be done. He said, I'm not done yet. He goes, through me, you can do whatever you want. I said, Lord, no, no, you don't understand how much sin. No, no, Glenn, listen to me. That's what God said to me last night. Through you, you can do anything in me. That's what God spoke to me. Then he, then he said these words to me. It blew me away. He said, he said this. He, said, he goes, I want to give you the desires of your heart. I said, Lord, Lord, you know, I, no, no, Glenn, I want to give you the desires of your heart. I thought, and then, and then he said this, which was tough. He said this. He said, he goes, but I want you to spend more time with me. He was upset with me because I wasn't spending enough time with him. He was jealous. You know how he spoke this to me? Through the word. I opened up my Bible and God told me that last night. He spoke to me. He challenged me for the city. And it had nothing to do with him audibly coming down and shaking my house. He didn't need to like grab me. And, uh, uh, uh. I just started to open up his Bible and let it speak life to me. And all of a sudden I got victory in my life. It's the word. 
It's the word. Man, the word is so powerful. And you know, I got this anchor here. And uh, this is actually Pastor Dan's anchor. And uh, <clears throat> sorry, I'm a little goofy, all right? I got this anchor here. You know what this is? This is the word. This is your word right here. The word of God must be the anchor in your life. Not a credit card, not a job, not anything else. Because I'm telling you what, in your life, in the way that you roll, you're going to have times in your life where the winds, and if you've lived any longer than 10 years, you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm only 23, but I understand winds of life already in my life. It doesn't take too long, amen, right? It just, it happens. And you know what? You've got to be anchored in the word of God. This has got to be your anchor. It can't be Pastor Eugene. It can't be Pastor Glenn. It can't be a nice worship set with fog and a nice little little mood lighting. I really enjoyed that this morning. That was cool. It can't be those things. Oh, because you know what happens? Oh, man, all I got to do, I just got to, I got to get to another worship service. I just got to get to another worship service and let God pull me through and let Pastor pray and lay hands on me and spit and lay me out or whatever. You get totally dependent on, on a, a, a service. And then we, we have no anchor. The word of God must be your anchor. Let me read some of this this morning. Psalm 119, I'm going to just, we're going to have a lot of scripture this morning. The Bible says, uh, David says, your word, Lord, is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. Ezra 7.10 says, For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to the teaching of its decrees and laws in Israel. I love this. Isaiah 55.8-11. Oh, man, this is awesome. If you want to shout, you can, okay? It's, it's completely cool as I read this. It's, it's, it makes me want to shout. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. And then it, then it says, uh, uh, declares the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. Thank the Lord that his ways are higher than our ways. Thank the Lord that, that God is beyond our thoughts and what we can think of this city. He's dreaming on a whole nother level, amen? And we read that, we get that through the word. Then he says, uh, and my thoughts are, are, are not your thoughts. It's, I love this. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth. Then it says in verse 11, so is my word that goes from my mouth. You know, at any point in the sermon, I, I, I just always say, I like to say this because it just works well. You might, you might just hear this, okay? And then all of a sudden I go, spend more time in the word. And then I go. And all you hear the whole sermon was God speaking to you saying, oh my goodness, I need to spend more time in the word. Run with that. Write that down. Write it on your arm and spend more time with God. If, it, if, if you heard me this morning, I said, and I'm saying, man, pray more. And that's all you hear this morning. Man, receive that and run with it. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning. We've got to spend more time in the word. I love that. And then listen to what it says in verse 11. It says, so is my word that goes from my mouth and will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That's the word. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 and 17 says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Maybe you're here this morning. You feel unqualified. 
You feel like you're not as good as maybe Pastor Eugene or maybe somebody on staff here or you look at some other preacher, whatever the case, you feel unqualified. Can I tell you something? God wants to equip you. Let me speak to you this morning. God wants to equip you and it all happens through his word. You think Pastor got here overnight because of his good looks and charm? I don't think so. I'm... He's going to hear that on podcast, I know. <laughs> I'll see you guys later, all right? I'll just, wow, all right. I'm telling you, our senior pastor is modeled to us, not by words, but by actions, a love for the word. He loves the word. He pulls out verses. I don't even know where they're at. I'm like, man, you make me, you know, am I right? He loves the word. He doesn't become the point person because of overnight. Thank God we got a pastor that is anchored deep in the word. Amen. But you've got to get anchored deep in the word. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, it says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of your heart. And can I just say to everybody that's in ministry, and I think most of you are, you say, I'm not, what are you talking about? I'm not in church here. I'm not on staff. You have your own ministry. If you're a mom, you got a ministry, <laughs> okay? Your family is your ministry. As a, you, you're number one, your family is number one in your ministry. But I pray that even, even bigger than that, you've got ministry going on in your community, in your job, maybe here at church or whatever the case. Can I tell you, the larger your ship gets, the bigger your anchor needs to be. The more that God calls you, the more that God promotes you, the more that God uses you, you've got to be anchored in the word or else you're going to become a goofy person. Just straight up, very simple. You're going to be really goofy because you're going to be all, uh, you know, up, up on something else and that, that ain't going to work. You've got to be anchored in the word. You've got to be anchored in the word. Amen. I'm just going to move on. We're just going to start right there. Um, Now I wonder exactly, I I like the first two. That, That was good. Prayer and then. Yeah? Attitude. Number three is attitude. Third value is attitude. Everybody say attitude. Attitude, Attitude, man. I love attitude. I see people walking around, you know, and I just, personally, if you've ever been around me, I normally always have a pretty good attitude. I've just chosen, I don't, I don't know, this may be just crazy, but like I've read the end of the book (laughs) and I don't know what my last day really is going to be. And so I'd rather not, I'd rather choose to just love life and not be so upset and just understand that I'm going to be in heaven one day. And I don't really understand why I even need to be upset about trivial stuff that happens in life. Amen. Is that just crazy or is that, is that I, maybe, maybe I'm just completely nuts, but I just, I choose to just look at the glass half full. I just choose to have eyes of faith. I just choose to say, God, you're a really big God. You're not just kind of big. You, you can completely take all of my circumstances in any moment. You can completely, you're looking at my heart. I want my heart to be right. And so the attitude is just a big thing to me. And it's really not difficult to me. I just, even when, even if services don't go right, or if I have a tough week or whatever, or me and my wife, we're having a tough week, or whatever the case, you know what, man, I just think to have a bad attitude is just stupid. And really pointless, honestly. And the bottom line is, is that as the branch, you cannot bear fruit without a, without a, without a good attitude. You know, I see people, we, and, and we're, Christians are so spiritual. Like we just are, we're spiritual beings, which is good. But this is what we do. <laughs> we're going for a job promotion. And we will spend four days fasting and praying, speaking in tongues, laying ourselves out in the Holy Spirit, whatever like the case. We're like, speaks into the mirror, you know. Ah, be, oh, be blessed. You're 
bless you, highly favored. And, you know, we're looking at the mirror or whatever. You know, and then we come to the job for the interview. We got a bad attitude. And we wonder why God's not showing up in our life. That's so dumb. Like, that's just, I love what Pastor says, it's stuck on stupid. We've got to have good attitudes. We cannot win this city with a bad attitude. And if you're a parent here and your kids are having bad attitudes, search your heart. What are you doing? Do you have a good attitude? Are you choosing to have the right attitude? I just, man, we've got to have the right attitude. If you're writing anything down, write this down. Your attitude determines your altitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. I'm telling you, job promotion will come when you have the right attitude. Doors will open up when you have the right attitude. Nobody wants to be around anybody that that's, has a bad attitude. I don't. Amen? We must have an encouraging heart. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. I'm just going to back it up here again. Uh, this word says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. What am I talking about? Be, having a good attitude, having an encouraging mouth. Man, we've got to have an encouraging word. Proverbs 12, verse 25 says, An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. A kind word. You know what that means? In order to have the right attitude, we've got to be connect, really connected to the vine, like in your devotional life. I, just, I really challenge you. Are you, you know, the Bible talks about being ready in season and out of season. You know, we just think Tuesday, whatever, we don't really need a word. It's just Tuesday or whatever the case. Can I tell you something? You don't know who you're going to run into that week, that day. And you need to have a kind word ready at all times. We need to have a word stored up deep inside of us that we're ready to give at any point. Almost searching. God drops a word into your life and you're searching for somebody to give it to. Hey, I, and somebody's at Burger King, they, they, they're, they're low a dollar. And you just say, oh my goodness, all I have to do is give them a dollar and I got a whole open door here. I can tell them the word that, I, that God spoke to me this morning. Whew. Here, yeah, yeah, here, you want more? I'll give you an apple pie. Can I just tell you something real quick? This is what the Lord said to me this morning. I just want to, I know I'm crazy, but you know, whatever. Come to my church. We've got to have a kind word. First Thessalonians, first, I didn't even say that right. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 16 through 18 says this, this is God's will for you. He says, be joyful always. That sounds fun, but it is tough, isn't it? It sounds great. Uh, Pray continually. Uh, Then it says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for your life. Can I just stop right there? You know, the Bible says in the book of Luke, it says that every single time one person gives their heart to the Lord, all of heaven, uh, all of heaven throws a party. One person gives their heart to the Lord, all of heaven throws a party. Let me tell you what that means. Right now, every single second, somewhere on this earth, somebody is giving their heart to the Lord. You know what that means? That means in heaven, they're partying 24-7. They're not hung up on bad attitudes and weighing down the work of ministry or whatever. They are with the king. They are abiding in the king. And they are celebrating God's, you know, God is building a, a bright church. The Bible says that as we get dar- as the world gets darker, the church is going to get brighter. Man, he's coming back for his bride. We're his bride. And, and his bride is beautiful. I'm telling you, there's no reason why we need to have a bad attitude. I challenge you this morning. I love this. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. It says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. What does that mean? Every day, right? 
so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I ask you, are, you, are we building each other up as a family? As maybe your family specifically, but as a church family, are we building each other up? Are you building your spouse up? Your spouse comes to you with a new idea or your wife buys a new dress and you don't even take the time to just even, you already spent the money on it. You might as well, right? You might as well enjoy it and just say, babe, that looks incredible. Am I right? We've got to be speaking words. Are you speaking life into your, into your spouse and into your, maybe you're engaged. I just saw Curtis and Aaron here. Maybe you're engaged. We've got to speak life. Maybe you're here and you got some best friends that you're hanging out with. You got a, a good clique that you're with or whatever. Man, you need to speak life to them. Your words are life. Amen? Amen. We've got to have a great attitude. Uh, now, these have been good so far. I'm really not exactly sure. I, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, Kelly? Sure. Do you guys like faith? Is that, does that work for you? Does that? I like faith. We, we like faith. Now, I, I haven't preached it yet, so you might not. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. You're awesome. Faith. Oh, I forgot I was going to do the MC Hammer. You've got to pray. You've got to pray. You've... With the prayer. I missed it. I was trying to practice. I was practicing the dance, but it didn't. It would have looked stupid, and then nobody would listen to me. So I decided not to do that. Faith. Number four is faith. Let me define faith. We read this in Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Let me say that again. We've got to get this in us. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. You know, God is not a respecter of persons, but he is a rewarder of faith, the Bible says. Let me, uh, let, let me rephrase that. I don't care how much money you have in your bank account. God does not look at you and say, oh my goodness, he has so much money. We've, oh man, you're definitely, come on. Come on the Jesus train because you have so much money. Oh man, you can sing so awesome. You, you've got, you, oh man, just come on. Just you and your bad self. Bad singing self. No, he doesn't, he, he, he doesn't look at your qualifications. He's the only qualification we need. He's it. He's looking for faith. Oh, but God, I got a PhD. You got a... I served three years of this. And I did this. And I did grade 4.0. Okay, that's great. That's good. Do you have faith? I'm looking for faith. God's currency is faith. It's faith. The Bible says if you have a mustard seed of faith, you can move what? I mean, I want to just move some mountains. You know, the beauty, what I love about faith is that, you know, faith gets contagious and it like, once you get that snowball effect of faith, all of a sudden, you know what happens is that all of a sudden you start to move mountains in your own life and then it gets contagious because then like you, maybe you're, maybe you're going through a financial mountain right now and you get some faith in your life. You start praying, you start really uh, just seeking God over your finances and what to do. And all of a sudden God has you, lets you move that mountain. You know what happens? All of a sudden it gets contagious because you see how real God is. And then you start moving other people's mountains. You think we're going to win this city by always dealing with our own mountains? At one point, we got to get past our mountains so we can start reaching everybody else's mountains. Somebody say amen this morning. Oh, man, that's good. I'll see you guys later. No. Faith. We've got to have faith. I love this. Uh, you know, we look at faith and trust, kind of the same deal. And I love this. Proverbs 3 says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Right? Seeing through the unseen. Lean not on your own understanding. 
In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You know, Mark chapter 14, verse 30, Jesus is speaking to Peter. And you don't have to turn there. You can if you'd like to. Is it there? Oh, it is there. Jesus tells Peter that before the rooster crows, Peter will deny him three times. And I'm telling you, if I, if I could ask Peter this morning, if I could say, hey, Peter, if I could pull him aside right at Mark chapter 14, verse 30, I could say, hey, listen, hey, Peter, could you come over here? And he's like, don't you realize I'm in the middle of the Bible <laughs> or whatever? And so I, I pull him over and I say, hey, do you have faith? Well, dude, yeah. No, no, Peter, listen to me. I'm speaking to him. Peter, do you have faith? Glenn, are you serious? I'm with Jesus right now. Of course I have faith. You know what? Jesus was not looking for a vocal faith. He was looking for a faith of action. He was looking at Peter and he was saying, Peter, your action is not lining up. Before the rooster crows, you are going to fail me three times because of your lack of faith. No, God, no way. Not me. I'm like your man. I'm Peter. And, he's, I, and I could just see him if, if this didn't all play out, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm going with it a little bit here. But I could just see Jesus, if he, if he could quote some of the scriptures, he would say, listen, I'm not, I'm not respecting you because you're Peter. I will reward you because of your faith. And then eventually he does. He rewards Peter and he builds a rock. He, he has Peter as his rock. This is an incredible story. We've got to be people of action. Amen? Amen. You know, I, I look at tithing, and uh, Dave did such a good job uh, just talking about the offering this morning. But we look at tithing, and we just, you know, it's always like just a, a really tough issue with us. And you know, the bottom line is that it has nothing to do with money. It really doesn't. And you're like, yeah, well, whatever. You know, No, no, I'm telling you this morning, biblically, non-biblically, whatever, it has nothing to do with money. It completely is a, there's, if you're not able to tithe, it has something way more deeper in your heart that you cannot let go of something and trust in God. It's a faith issue. And you, you know, we can come in here and fill this auditorium and, uh, and we can shout up and just like I'm talking about, God's not looking for a vocal faith. Okay, so you can stand and worship for 30 minutes and declare God's faith, but then you walk out of here. You don't tithe anything. You don't, you don't do anything. You're not putting your action. You stay at home when you could come to prayer. You don't wake up and pray. You're not, you're not a, a light in, the, in darkness. You're not putting, you're, you don't have any faith. You really don't. There's no faith. That's, that's not faith. That's fabrication. That's like fake church. And I just, I, I, I'm just telling you, we've got to be people of action. I, I love what the Bible says, um, where, uh, where it says, where it says uh, right here, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. It says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying this, this is the way, walk in it. Can I tell you, God is speaking to me this morning and he's telling you, you need to walk in your faith. Somebody say amen this morning. You've got to walk in your faith. It's not a matter of just, we've got to put action to our faith. We've got to. We've got to. You know, and just even when we talk about finances, if you can really believe God to save you from the pit of hell, why in the world can you not believe him to, to, to do something with your finances? If you really believe that God can can literally take the greatest miracle in life is not a healing. It is, it is a sinner being able to be washed and clean and going to heaven in eternity. That's the greatest miracle in heaven. If you can believe that, you've got enough faith for anything on this world. No, there's no mountain big enough. That is the greatest mountain because Jesus actually had to come and move it himself. The mountain of death. If you can believe that, 
You, you should have no problem in your tithes and offerings. You should have no problem in stepping out of faith because you know that God is always going to meet you there. Amen? Amen. We must see through the eyes of faith. You know, as we talk about the definition, it's, it's being certain of what, of what we do not see. The de- the, the, let me get this out. The definition of faith. It's being certain of what we do not see. Can I tell you something? When you look at this city, do you actually see it saved? If you close your eyes, can you actually see like walking into Burger King and everybody there being saved? If we can't see it, it can't happen. That's faith. That's the eyes of faith. You know, we talk about, I hear people all the time, I I got quite a few students that come to our our youth uh, that go to UCF and there's some college students there. And uh, we talk all the time, man, God's gonna win UCF. Okay, that's great to say that, that's vocal. Uh, First of all, what are you doing about it? And second of all, can you actually visualize it? Well, I mean, that's, that's like 40,000 people. I, I, know, I don't know. Well, increase your faith. God can do it. God can win this city. Every single person. We need to stop looking inside of these walls and saying this is all that God can do. God can do so much more. It ain't about a building. Amen? Amen. We've got to look through the eyes of faith. Now, and I, and I, I like everything we've done so far. Faith, prayer. Yeah. 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 Love works. Love works. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, love completely. Love, I like that. Love's good. Anybody like love? Everybody just, hey, can you give me like one of those like, like soap opera, like kind of girly, just like. <sighs> that was, that was, that was not too good. Let's try that one more time. One, two, three. Oh, that was awesome. All right, we're done. Now we're just feeling the love. We're just moving into it. The most evident theme in scripture is love. The whole Bible is based around this one word, is love. The whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is God's love for his creation. You know what that is? It's you. That's your friends. That's your neighbors. It's centered around God. God is love. Amen? I love what Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 says. A wise man comes up to Jesus and says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? He's trying to confuse him. And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Then it says in verse 38, this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law hang on these two things. What's the key word there? Love. All of the 10 commandments right here are founded, are all centered around love. Love, we've got to love. We've got to love. John chapter 13, verse 35 says, By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is how you know whether you're a disciple or not, if you have God's love in you. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8, we're going to define what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. If you're married, just thank God for that one. Amen. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Love never fails. Man, that's awesome. Philippians chapter one, verse nine says this. This is Paul speaking, speaking to the church of Philippi. He says, and this is my prayer for you that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit 
of righteousness. Yes, I just did that. That comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. First John chapter three, verse 16. Now this is, this is an incredible verse. It's convicting, it's pruning right here. Y'all ready for this? Here we go. This is how we know that what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words, right? We're talking about that. It's not a vocal love. Let us not just love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Then it says in verse John, if you skip down to chapter four, it says, God's love in ours. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. I just want to make sure it did not say Pastor Eugene. It did not say city church. God, the love comes from God. Then I love this. This is tough. It says, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This has got to be a non-negotiable in your life that you are going to choose to love people. And all of these values, they intertwine with each other because through the eyes of faith, even when somebody's doing something ridiculous, you're looking at where they're going to go and not where they're at. And you can love them for where they're going to be and not where they are right now because God's love is inside of you. We got to have some love. Everybody say amen. Amen. And we need God's love. I I just asked a couple questions this morning as we close. Uh, Do you resolve or do you cause conflicts? When you're in a room, and there's, a, there's a, a bickering or a fight happening. Are you one that would resolve it? Or would you just sit aside, passive? Or would you actually, or, or would you cause conflict? Are you free of gossip inside of this house and outside of this house? Are you free of gossip? Do you feel compassion for those in need? I'm telling you, anybody that really loves God, I just can't imagine if we give any type of offering where we are taking an offering for somebody in missions, and just they're laying, these missionaries are laying down their lives and we can't even like put, drop a $5 bill. I just, it, you know, and just, just let me just show you kind of the power of love. I've been speaking to our youth just about, about I have this heart for Cuba, specifically for Cuba. Just God laid Cuba on my life. And uh, so we're raising money. We're believing for $2,000 in the end of summer. And uh, if you look at our youth and at our offerings, you would think that's completely, un- unbelievably impossible. And this last week, well, not, not this last week, I was at youth camp, but the week before this, uh, we actually, we, in one week, we raised $600 for Cuba, our youth ministry. It's awesome. They raised $600 for Cuba. I showed this video, and we just talked that God loves Cuba as much as he loves Sanford. And God loves those young people just as much as he loves you. And I spoke to him. I said, listen, you can give something this morning. Give up an Xbox game. Give up something so that a young person over there will know God. It's worth it. That all stems out of, out of our love for God. Are you speaking the truth in love? Are you speaking the truth in love? As we recap the values, can I have my, my people come back up? And you're awesome. And hey, can we give all these guys a hand that helped me this morning? Now, I told you this morning, and we're going to stretch you a little bit this morning. A first service I thought was just awesome. And uh, we're, going to, we're going to pray for a little while. Don't forget how we started this morning. You are what you value. These are five values that will make your life more fruitful. Bottom line. It's not, and it's not one of these where you can just say, okay, 
I'm going to get prayer. Prayer warrior. And then you have the brown attitude and you don't have any faith. And I, of course that all kind of, oh, you're not even prayer, are you? Your love. Prayer's over there. Okay. You know, our prayer, whatever the case, that doesn't work. You need all of these. These are five values. These are five non-negotiables that must happen in your life. And I didn't, I didn't make this up. I want to make sure you get this as we end, as we enter the altar. I, I, I didn't make this up. I completely, I read to you about 45 verses this morning of how God wants these values to be your values. And as we close, uh, we have uh, a treat this morning and uh, we're coming in with uh, this little uh, puppy and face helping her. And uh, we'll be done real, real quick. Hey, Kona, Kona, I'm over here. Hey, Kona. She loves everybody. This is Kona. And uh, yeah, you can bring her up on stage. Let me see. Actually, can I hold her? I'm not even sure if that's possible. Come here, baby. Come here. All right. Now this is Kona. And uh, Kona is our, is our new pup. She's actually a beagle and a chihuahua. Yeah, it's okay. There is a, she's looking at that fruit and she's like, that is mine. Like, I'm going to attack that thing so bad. And uh, this is Kona. And uh, she's about seven months old. And, uh, and so she's, she's a mixture of a beagle and a chihuahua. I'm no, no lie. I can't explain it. It doesn't make any sense to me. She's completely a, a mutt, I guess is that what you call it. And uh, she's going to go to her mom right there. And, uh, and Kona, uh, we, when we, we got Kona as a puppy. And so she's on a leash right now, and primarily just because I don't know if anybody's allergic or she'll start crawling under your feet and weird you out. And you're like, what? You know, I don't, I don't need any like people acting like Kramer from Seinfeld. You know, whatever they do. <laughs> anybody like Seinfeld? I just, in general. Okay. Um, and... Uh, and so Kona, we, we started out, we're trying to get, we're, Kona, Kona got saved about three weeks ago, right? It was about three weeks ago. And uh, we had an altar call right at our house. And uh, it, was, it was a powerful, the Lord really moved. And, uh, but she's still working out her salvation through fear and trembling. Um, she's kind of getting there. Yeah, Faith, you can just sit right there with her. It's cool. And uh, Faith's kind of her keeper this morning. And, uh, and so we're still working on Kona because Kona kind of, she still poos and pees in the house a little bit. And so she's still working her salvation and we're teaching her through pruning and discipling of the butt or whatever. And, and so we just get her and, and we're learning and she's getting it. And, uh, but you know what? She's starting to get it. And uh, there, we, we, me and my wife, we just bought a, a townhome about, we bought it in January. And we got Kona about a month after that. And so at our townhome, we actually don't have any fence uh, and I don't know if you live in an apartment or anything like that, but, uh, or, or a townhome, or you just don't have any fence. But we have, no, we have a backyard, but it's kind of like a community backyard, and so we're not able to really fence it in. And so for Kona, it kind of creates a problem because we'd have to always kind of keep her on a leash in order just to use the restroom. And so, uh, and so Kona, uh, and she's hearing her name, so it's kind of crazy for her right now. But uh, well, this is what we did. We took one of those, uh, those leashes where like, you know, those, they're like incredible. I wish I would have invented them, but like where they can stretch as long as you want. And then you just kind of like, you kind of click it and they go, eh! and she kind of like, eh! you know, she just, like that's as far as she can go. And then, and so this is exactly what happens. For about two months, it took us to train her where, uh, where we would take her outside and then we would take her, we'd let her run. We just let the leash go. And then once she would get about too far, I would go, eh! and then she would go, you know, whatever, and she'd stop or whatever. And then, and then, and then literally she would just dart the opposite way because her goal is just to go crazy, you know? And uh, so then she darts the other way. And then as, as she gets a little bit too far, I go, and then she, you know, she stops again. And then after about two months, she finally learned uh, where the boundaries were. And this is what I'm trying to tell you this morning. Because I'm her master, she really values what I value. I, you know, the other day, actually just, uh, well, no, no not, not last night. She was bad last night. But the day before that, she, 
She, she, she pooed in our house. She used the restroom in our house. Our house is a giant commode for her. Um, so it's just unbelievable. And, uh, and she used the restroom and I got so mad at her, you know what I'm saying? And I actually, actually I don't hit her because actually what happens is that when I slap her, she gets nervous and then she pees. And then I'm like, <laughs> so I'm just like, I can't win. So then I'm like, I get frustrated and I'm like, I can't even slap you again. Like you're going to throw up or something. And then, and uh, so it's really smart. She should like write a book to all the rest of the dogs about that because now I don't spank her anymore. But what I do is I, I take a shoe, right, like right next to her, and I, and I slap the ground, and it really scares her or whatever. And, uh, you know, and then we throw her, like, in this, in this dark room for about 15 minutes just so that she can think about it, you know? Because if I give her any light at all, what happens is that she just plays with that, and it's fun. So it's really hard. She just loves life. She just has a great attitude. The Lord's really working with her uh, through that value. And, uh, and, and you know what, but after, afterwards I get upset with her and you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you really, you treat your dog like a child and I'm like, she, she'll come up to me. Like I'm reading, I'm reading the Bible. Let's just say, cause I'm really holy. <laughs> so I'm just sitting there reading the Bible and, uh, I'm sitting on the couch and then Kona will just kind of creep in and she just kind of leans her head over to me and just like, can we please make up? You know, like, like just, I, and I'm like, oh no, I'm not talking to you, Kona. I'm upset with you, you know, or whatever. And then finally, after about an hour, I finally make up with her and just kind of hug her. And then she's completely fine. She doesn't talk to me the rest of the day, <laughs> you know, type of deal. And uh, you know what? But she values what the master values. She really wants my values to become her values because she wants to make me happy. And I'm here to tell you this morning, this is what I want to get to you this morning. After about two months of setting boundaries, of setting non-negotiables, of setting values in our lawn, of how far is too far and all that stuff, you know what happened? Is that after about two months, we were able to take off the leash and now she can run in our, our, in our lawn and, sh- and her values are now our values. And this morning, I don't want you to leave here and say, okay, that was a great idea. I like all that stuff. And so I'm gonna try and work on that. Listen, you can't love the way that, God, the way that God's love coming into you will happen. You've got it. You need God to, de- to deposit himself these values into your life. And here's, this is, this is what I want to get to you this morning. I don't want you to leave here feeling like these five values are being oppressed on you. Like, oh my goodness, I got to pray this morning. Because God, you want me to. And I just believe that with the Holy Spirit and what we're about to do, we're about to pray and we're about to stand up in just a second. Uh, but, but I believe that the Holy Spirit this morning doesn't want to just oppress values on you, but for your values to become his values so that he can take you off the leash and set you free. Thanks for listening to this message, The Fruit of Values with Youth Pastor Glenn Wolf. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.org or call 407-321-9600.